What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle Cup! Baby! Rooting for a team to lose is like when you bet on the under and you're rooting on the rooting for the under. I would say it's 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 counter to like the DNA in your body, but it's just as exhilarating. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think once you get locked in that mode, it's pretty easy and it comes pretty natural. Like today with the Niners game, I found myself getting very angry at positive plays. So it just once I flip that switch guy and go into that mode, I, I find myself pretty natural at it to be honest with you yeah it's really not that hard for you when you think about it you've been doing that with the raiders for several years so (laughs) i'm kidding i'm kidding (laughs) i'm kidding (laughs) honestly we would have liked the raiders to make the playoffs this year but we'll get into them a little later they're they're the least trustworthy franchise going everybody welcome to the holiday week we are here great to have another show recording this on a sunday as we watch the jets put the finishing touches on a disaster it appears uh podcast brought to you by ease from uh, gangrene to gangrene, podcast brought to you by Ease, promo code HAM or promo code HAM10. Yes, what Adam Gase just did to the uh, the New York football Jets is just dank the halls. Uh, <laughs> sha-la-la-la-la. Ease.com, E-A-Z-E.com, promo code HAM. Go get it right now. Promo code HAM, edibles, topicals. I had a buddy last night. Don't want to out him here. Maybe someone, who knows? He texts me. You know him as well. He's like, what is the promo code for Ease? I'm like, bro, mm. it's ham. He's like, I'm like, you, you feeding something? He's like, yeah, I need a little, Lewis need a little something here. Lewis yeah, Riddick texted you. Well, guy, uh, all sports leagues ain't testing anymore. So Ease.com, promo code ham. If you're a returning user, promo code ham10. Get yourself a little haircut, 10% discount. No big deal. Thank us later. Oh, it's just got to be 21 or over. You get verified online in minutes. You know, I think Ease would make talk about great stocking stuffers oh. uh, for yourself or for others. Ease, the best blaze for your buck, baby. We appreciate. Imagine their mom support. pulling out some edibles from the stocking. Did you see the SNL robe uh, skit on Saturday night? I, guy, I haven't watched Saturday Night Live for fifteen well, years. I just see it on Twitter uh, no, when they clip it out. But basically, it was it was a rap song. Mom, dad. Son, daughter, the son, the daughter, the dad, all rapping about all the different things they got. And every time they get to the mom, she's like, and thanks for this robe. And it was just like the mom. No one ever gets the mom anything. It's like, I'm a mom. Can I get more than a robe? I'm your mother. It was pretty funny. That is a lot of robes get given out. I'm thinking about my holiday gifts over the years. My family's gotten a lot of robes. The older people. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually that's actually a pretty good skit. Can we just say this before we really dive into our Niners? Uh, discussion. Thank God that game got flexed out of Sunday night football. It was really a really, really terrible game. I mean, I watched it all as the Jew, as in my whole timeline, but it was... uh, Entertainment level was low, I would say. Don't you think? Yeah, it was god-awful. I I think we all won with it getting flexed out. And not just flex guy. 
I think the big winner was the 10 a.m. slot. Like that, to me, one, to wait for that one, get it out of the way. To me, the Niners right now, if they can, they're a get-it-out-of-the-way team and their games. I guess their last two games will probably be at 1 o'clock. But to me, Nick Mullins, he belongs. And it's not, he symbolizes Nick Mullins. There's a lot of Nick Mullins out there, right? That just historically, Gabberts, you name it. We can go through the list of the Petermans. They belong (laughs) at 10 a.m. Because they can be thrown into a group with so many other games. That guy, there was a period in that game, like the middle of the game, I threw it on my second TV that has no audio through the red zone on the big TV. And it's like, you know, what am I fucking locked into this thing? It is awful. Part now, of the job. Kyle can scheme the run and he can get it going. But it's like, I, I, I'm rooting for this team to lose. Mullins is tr- doing everything possible to lose. I, it's just, it, it was a tough watch. Dalton's terrible. McCarthy, I have less respect for McCarthy after that game. Some of the play calls they had, they ran like some triple pass to a running back with like the game on the line. Up three what the fuck in, are you doing, in, Mike? in their own territory. Like, are you trying to throw a pick six? What are you doing? And as someone that had uh, Amari Cooper on his DraftKings team, it's like, hey, guys, you have Akella Weatherspoon starting at corner because Verrett got sick or something before the game. So he was like a late, healthy scratch. I mean, technically he's not healthy, but he's got the right, right, right. Not corona, but the not flu a football injury. Yeah, so he's not there. Every time I saw 23, and they're putting random guys out there, if you don't put C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper and throw go routes nonstop on that guy, you're out of your mind. And, and, and I, I do understand where some people are like, you know, I know the team better than the announcers. I was thinking, like, why aren't you guys harping on this? Why aren't they taking advantage of this guy that, I mean, is closer to being out of the league than, than starting on Sundays, and he's starting on Sundays. That point, to be fair, great point, full stop, period, Two guys here who had C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper on their uh, DraftKings team. You had Amari. I had one of them. I had. Now I'm in 20. I'm going to fall out. But I took a the end of the game. C.D. Lamb takes back an uh, onside kick for a touchdown. And then Kendrick Bourne catches the Hail Mary, the meaningless Hail Mary. I had both of them on my fantasy team. I rocketed from like the low 20s to like 13th. Top 10 in our DraftKings game pays money. I rocketed up the board on those two plays. It was really quite a moment. I tweeted, my what f- if I told you I had both those guys? And most of the replies were like, I would tell you your team sucks. I was like, My favorite part of the CeeDee Lamb onside kick is he catches it. He hesitates for a second and looks and goes, I got a lane. And he's like, fuck it. <laughs> Whoop. And he was gone. That I always enjoy the onside kick score a touchdown. Oh, it, you don't when get it that much. Out. Yeah, because to me, the onside kick is such a desperation move. Maybe I'm nostalgic about this. I feel onside kicks have gotten dramatically shittier. And and I guess part of it is you're you're not allowed to take out the front line anymore, right? Is that wasn't there a new rule in the NFL, I think, about a collision rule? Uh it just feels less chaotic. And also, most of these kicks don't even have a shot. I think every When's the last time now? you saw one, uh, would you say Less than like five percent feel like they're even. I possible. think that it, remember we had that whole discussion over the off season because there was the the question about whether they'd add that rule where you go for it like fourth and fifteen yeah. from your own twenty. <laughs> and I like that rule. Yeah, if you get it like a, a fourth and twenty seven or something. I remember that was a lifetime ago. Was that they, was that twenty twenty? We had that discussion. I think it was. <laughs> I think so. Jeff Fisher and the competition committee weren't feeling it. I can't believe is this are the Jets game over as we're recording this on Sunday. Uh, yeah, the, the Jets uh, are victorious. Idiots! <laughs> the, the, the Jets. Is that a better, a worse loss for the Jets or the Rams? Because you could Jets. argue it's like pretty bad loss for the Rams. As yeah, well. but the Rams, like the <laughs> future go the of their franchise. They weren't the Rams aren't making a Super Bowl run this year. We know yeah. what the Rams are. As a buddy of mine texted me, the Ram, and I, he's actually listening to the podcast. But I don't know if he'd want. It's not that big a deal. But he was like, the Rams are basically Raider level inconsistent. Like they're a higher level inconsistent team, but like Sean, as Sean McVay text you that wasn't Sean. <laughs> it was Deuce Gruden. Um, he's got some beef with the uh, head coach. Uh, it wasn't, but I think I was the like, Jets were a comp. seventeen point underdog, so they, the money line had to be like seven or eight to one. I would guess had to be huge. I just because the jet line on the Ravens Jags was fourteen. This line was bigger. And it was in L.A. You you tweeted something um, Saturday, I guess. Maybe it was during the ACC championship game when Clemson was beating that ass about some people you've talked to in the league about Trevor Lawrence. Um, 
I mean, he's head and shoulders above the rest of this quarterback. I mean, he's he's head and shoulders doesn't even begin to explain how much ahead of the like not having that pick is horrible. It's a horrible. When, when you text people in the league, like, what do you think about the next crew? They always respond like, is Wentz available? Is Stafford available? Like, they, they're not interested. Justin Fields, I, I don't think is that good. I, I think there are massive questions on Justin Fields right now. Zach Wilson, to me, is a little bit more of a Twitter sensation, I think, than league sensation. Now, that could change. Uh, I think I like Mac Jones. I text a buddy in the SEC. I'm like, Mac Jones or Trask? And he responded, Wentz. Again, that's how they joke around. Like, they don't like these guys. Especially what you have to drive in the first round. I went, in all seriousness, like, I kind of like Mac more. He's like, yeah, I'd probably lean Mac. He definitely looks better on the TV copy. His arm's a little stronger. Uh, but he's like, the problem with both those guys, little old school, neither can move. You know, Trask really can't. Did you know Kyle Trask did not start a game in high school? He did not he start a game in high school. Did he back somebody uh, up sweet? I, I don't know his first name, but King, he's the quarterback oh, from Miami Derek. that went to Houston. So they were at the same high school, and my buddy that does the SEC is like, that was a power. And he's like, Jim not- McElwain does not get enough credit. They offered him at a camp. He had never started a varsity high school game. How about some credit to Kyle Trask for not being transfer guy, huh? Well, I'm, hell weird. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the high school coach, they did a thing before the SEC championship game. He's like... This guy stands for everything that's great. Like nobody in their right mind who was Division One talented would have stayed. He not only stayed in Florida, he backed up for a little while over guys that weren't that good. And uh, again, never forget Jim McElwain's. Dan Mullen is competing with Jim McElwain's players. Kyle Pitts, Tony, the running back, Trask, Jim McElwain's guys. Shout out to our guy. Shout out to our guy, Mac. <laughs> it's not easy, John, but uh, the Niners keep swinging that pick, swinging that pick, moving up draft position. And uh, the question continues, what will be their best option? Will it be a draft pick or will it be trading that draft pick for, say, Matthew Stafford? And it really does shine a light as now I think even the um, most ardent 49er fans have had to give up on the playoffs, the ones who ignored all of the uh, obvious for several weeks now. Even they can't deny that this is now about the offseason and uh, it's an offseason that might shape the next 10 years of the 49ers organization under Kyle Shanahan if he if he picks right when it comes to a quarterback or doesn't pick at all I mean there he could just stick with Jimmy but whatever he decides is going to be a major a major um, uh, impact on the future of the franchise yeah I think it's fair to say the only way Jimmy Garoppolo is not on this roster is that they land Matt Stafford and that's to me is a pretty big unknown right now that I, I get text sometimes like hearing some buzz about Matt Stafford they don't have a fucking general manager or a coach. <laughs> Somebody, so it's like, I, there, there is nothing with that. And I'm I, not the trying only to talk buzz shit about it The only buzz would be agent buzz, right? Yeah, and him. Like, and I do think, I do think he'll get traded because I think he'll force his way out. But the Lions, as an organization, they are, they don't have any decision-making power right now. And he is kind of, to me, the, uh, you know, the, the, the golden goose out there for quarterbacks. You would rather have him than anyone not named Trevor Lawrence. And as of right now, like the Jaguars are going to get Trevor Lawrence unless something weird happens and the Jets get him again. Kind of a weird day for the Jaguars and the Jets, but that's a two-horse race. And it's between all these other college quarterbacks that like watching Justin Fields against uh, Northwestern, I don't think he's, his stock is going the other way, guy. Like it's plummeting. Trask and Mac Jones and Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. Like all these guys have a ton of questions, Marks, about them. Jimmy Garoppolo, we've been saying for a while, more than likely is going to just be back. Yeah. They just, like, C.J. Beathard, who can't be out Nick Mullins, like, okay, he's gone. And Nick Mullins has proven he's not good enough to be your backup quarterback, right? So he's going to have to be gone. They're going to need to figure out this situation where if it is Jimmy and a rookie, or even if it's Matt Stafford, you probably still have to be invested in maybe a rookie. Uh, You just, their quarterback room is a disaster. If it's... If it's Matt Stafford, then it's obviously, well, it's obviously not a first-round rookie because you're probably trading what could be the seventh or the tenth pick for Matt Stafford. Would, would, would you trade pick eight for Matt Stafford and just do that, just clean? Boop, boop. I would do it. I mean, the caveat, I hate to hedge, but it's like, provided I do the, you know, we, go, we get through draft season and we don't love any of these guys enough. Like, that's what I'm getting at with Kyle is you can't do the... Well, I, you know, I didn't really watch him that much Mahomes thing this year. Like, it's got to be 
You're saying Kyle would have to do a deep dive in January on everybody. Kyle has to watch everybody and determine would I rather have Matthew Stafford than that guy. I, but yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I'm open to trading that pick for Stafford versus using that pick on a quarterback. But to me, it's got to be one of those two things. And the if good, it's on a quarterback, with Matt Stafford, that's, that doesn't happen until mid-March at the earliest. Right. right. But, so but, but this, is, that's, this is about what does Kyle Shanahan think of his options at quarterback? One of the reasons you're paying him, one of the reasons we I really value him is that I would I am confident that whatever you think, Justin Fields or uh it, whichever pick a guy, Zach Wilson, like we just name all the guys, Davis Mills from Stan, whatever you think anybody's ceiling is, I am pretty confident Kyle can find it. Like Kyle can find it. The question is, what is that person's ceiling? Um, so uh, you know, if he watches Zach Wilson and loves him, I would say draft Zach Wilson. Like if you love him draft him instead of trading that pick for Matt Stafford. That'd and it's way advice. cheaper. You get a younger player that you get to groom and create a culture around. It, it is big picture. It's the healthiest move. Right. But if you do that, you're right. Jimmy Garoppolo is your week one starter because I we, we're watching what it looks like right now when you go into a season with one starter. And even that guy's a little iffy. But I, you know, as, as quickly as, as rookies have acclimated, especially this year and an uh, and just generally speaking, we remember what Matt Ryan year one to year two was under Kyle, right? He took a jump year. To ask a rookie to do Kyle to run Kyle's offense week one might be a little much, but I don't know. At this point, watching these guys, I, I can't rule it out for anybody. Um, you go a little Mahomes, Alex Smith. That, I mean, that's the best case of Virginia. Yeah. I'm not saying that's what it would become, but that was their mindset when they drafted Mahomes, right? They, they had. Alex had been much more consistent and had been on the field. The, the situations don't parallel each other, but the situation would parallel each other in what you're saying. And I think what is probably the most realistic option is to be aggressive. Well, the Chiefs had to be more aggressive because they were making the playoffs. The Niners are already up there. They could just draft Zach Wilson at eight or maybe six or who knows. I mean, they're not going to win another game, uh, right? And then just have Jimmy and then just – Played at the end of the year. Like, part of Mahomes, they weren't dead set on Mahomes was going to be the starter year, too. Things just happen. You just right. you just open it up. Like, look at, uh, I almost said Lamar Jackson, uh, Jordan Love, and Aaron Rodgers. But, like, they had the same mindset. They weren't in a huge rush, but they were open to it. But then Rodgers, and again, all these situations do not parallel each other, right? Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Alex Smith is like the greatest bridge quarterback slash accomplished kind of good, but he's not that good, but he's in a weird spot. And then Mahomes, it just turned out, was like the best player ever. So, like, the the Niners would ideally just want someone way better than Jordan Love. They don't even need Mahomes, clearly. I mean, Kyle didn't even like him. But they just want something that a guy can be a starter on a cost-controlled contract. More of an incomplete study than a fail study, but yeah. Jordan Love? No, you said Kyle Kyle Mahomes. Like, Kyle, like, well, well, I... You know, I didn't fully watch him, so like maybe I would have loved him, but we no no one knows for sure. Well, I do wonder like the Niners front office wasn't pounding the table, right? right. Clearly. Or maybe Kyle just wouldn't have been open to it no matter what. Again, it's I, I'm not it's pointless to talk about those times. It is what it is. Fucking Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun watched it. And I think this in general this happens. Woulda, coulda, shoulda picks, and they're fun to do, especially like in the offseason. But in the reality, like as the season is going, your players are your pl- like you have Solomon Thomas, you have that guy, you have that guy, you don't have Jamal Adams. Like it's they have DK Metcalf. Like what if the Eagles would have not taken JJ or take a Whiteside? Well, they did. And he every day when fucking people show up to work, he's one of them. But it's just it's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. Well, and and uh, it's what makes it Kyle's most important evaluation. Period. Uh, and part of that is the decision to pull the trigger. Maybe it's the decision not to pull the trigger. But, and we do this, and this this is going to happen. The closer we get to the draft, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, and then we're going to talk about the other quarterbacks as if one of the other guys has to be good just because there's going to be four or five. You go, oh, well, maybe two of them hit. But, and and the, to I'll reference your Twitter again, because you tweeted Saturday night, right? Like Josh Allen is about to get broken off, and he's really the only one of this group of first round picks that's going, he's going to get way more money than any of the other guys, right? He'll get more than Lamar. Yeah. Well, I don't think Lamar's going to get paid this offseason. Well, and Baker, right? They're in this kind of in between. 
Lamar's won an MVP, so it's not fair to put him in Baker's category. But the point is, we could look back on this upcoming draft class in four years ago. Yeah, it was Trevor Lawrence and the other guy. There was a couple other guys that were meh. But if Kyle decides to use the eighth pick on what turns out to be a maybe a non-superstar, non-15 quarterback, top 15 quarterback, then he'll be in the same position again in four or five years, right? It's just it's where you usually end up with quarterbacks. You usually don't end up with a franchise quarterback. We know what Matthew Stafford is. He's a franchise yeah. quarterback. I, I just, to me, once you get in the top 10, th- that, that price to teams is just, like, do the Colts trade Buckner? I, I think it was easy with 13, Buckner. What if that pick had been seven? You'd rather the Niners be at 14 and trade that pick would, for Stafford than be at seven and trade that pick. Would, would the Colts have done that pick if that pick was seven and not 13? Probably Would not, the Colts right? have sent number seven, you're saying? For DeForest Buckner. Yeah, they might have needed more from the Niners, right? The Niners yeah, they might, might have had go, to include Okay, something. seven, you get Buckner and a two, right? I mean, seven's a lot. Yeah. It just, it just is. 13, I, once you get in the teens, I think people stomach it easier. When you see those single-digit picks, it's like, what if you could get some transcendent, like, you know, Darrell Rivas or you know, whoever? It's not even just quarterbacks, but right? I, it's just other players. You, you get the bite of the apple of these great players. Yeah, the question is, will the Stafford deal wait until the draft? No. See, and that makes it harder. Yeah. It's not the like the NBA works that way, but in football, like you draft that guy because he wants to be at the OTAs and stuff, right? I mean, you just get it going and he wants out, and it's just he if he gets traded, he's controlling part of it to me. Maybe he gives some money back of a signing bonus to facilitate trades. Like, well, here's the other thing: if he, he could, gets he traded, could be a driving force in it. Well, but if that's the case, then remember, you know, the Niners got Trent Williams cheaper than maybe you otherwise would have if the player wasn't influencing the trade destination. Yeah, like if you're Matt Stafford, you want to get traded. You control where you're going to some degree. Do you want the Niners to trade the seventh pick no. for you? You don't. Yeah. So. Can can you influence the situation enough? What are other people offering? You know, I. But you, here's the thing: like, if Even you're the Lions, like would you take twos? a 2022 first round pick? Would you take a the next year's one from the so Niners? So I give you my second round pick this year and next year's one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you'd be open to stuff like that. That every pick when you're as shitty as the Niners are, and destined now probably to go five and eleven, you are going to pick high in every round, right? That's where they got Debo. You get really good players in the third round. You're picking high, like those picks get really valuable. You're talking about trading your second, your your number two pick, yeah, yeah, in 2021. I mean, but I'm I'm just saying in general, like you ideally you'd want to hold on to all the like those picks are just valuable. I mean, look at T Higgins and Justin Jefferson, and I mean the list is Devontae. Maybe like if if you're the Niners, you could get like some sweet DB, and then in the second round draft like Najee Harris. You know, boom, boom. You're like off and running. Would you? Yeah, or an offensive lineman. I mean, yeah. I say take two offensive linemen, John. That's, you know, my draft philosophy. Well, that, I mean, that is the way to consistently win. To the Raiders we go, John. They played on Thursday night, lost. Some teams in the AFC won. Playoffs go bye bye, as Middlecoff likes to say. Uh, That ship has sailed. Who do they have this week, by the way? Uh, They have the Miami Dolphins. So. I mean, Miami just, I mean, it could get uglier. And I i was watching the Dolphins. Actually, that's, you triggered my memory. I was watching the Dolphins thinking, Brian Flores is a great example of why you don't say the league's all about offense. We are limiting our head coaching hiring list to offensive coaches. Because if the Dolphins had done that, guess what? They'd have missed out on Brian Flores. So it got me thinking, uh, how many teams would, John Gruden's been traded before. How many teams would trade places with the right how many teams would trade their coaching situation for john gruden and uh the list is not long the list is not long this and this is kind of a piggyback off of what we talked about the other day which is this is to this point a failure a big but, failure but I, and i'd even pump the brakes if you wanted to do macro view the whole league really where the raiders have proven the last couple years they're better than a lot of teams and they're gonna be better than a lot of teams right they're not they're well-coached enough, and they just have enough talent. Excuse me, let me push back on the well-coached enough. They have enough talent on their roster now and a legitimate quarterback where they're going to be in that 7-9 to nine window. So their group of teams, really, they're going up against, 
all the division winners in the AFC, and then the wild card bunch. So to me, before we even get to the shitty teams, would they flip-flop? We just go through the teams that the, we've been talking about for weeks, right? All the division winners. Chiefs, hell no. Uh, the Dolphin or the Bills now, pff, they wouldn't even think about it. The Dolphins, who are basically their number two in that division now, no. The Colts and the Titans, of course, no. So it's like the, the Baltimore Ravens, the Steelers, no, no. How about our sneaky potential, we're recording this before Sunday night, Coach of the Year, Stefanski, that's a hard no. Like, I, the group that they're chasing, and I think the Raiders, for all year long, they were in that group, and they were ebbing and flowing in that group, and they beat some of them. They, they beat the Chiefs, they yeah. beat the Browns. None of those teams would trade. That's the problem. None, and honestly, it's not like, hey, guy, uh, I'm, you know, so-and-so team. We call the Rockets. Can I get James Harden? What are you offering? I'll give you Ben Simmons and four ones. They go, well, okay, let me call my group. Let's have a discussion. These aren't like, they ain't calling their group and having a discussion over this. Like, hey, you want to flip-flop coaches? We'll trade you straight up. Uh, no. <laughs> it's a, a click. The, the noise that we grew up on when you hung up phones, that doesn't even exist anymore. It just goes click. silent. What do you mean? What's the, what's the click? <laughs> yeah, um, I'd add some more teams to it. I don't think the Jets would trade their situation that's coming up. Like, they would trade Adam Gase, maybe. But it's more about if, let's say, John Gruden and the Raiders this offseason decided to mutually part ways. The Jets would not, the Jets are going to have an opening. They wouldn't hire John Gruden. They'd rather have the potential of whoever they're going to hire than John Gruden. Not the potential. They literally would be able to choose somebody else and they would hire that somebody else. Jacksonville, right? Jacksonville, if John Gruden today, December 21st, as you're listening to this, maybe, whatever day you want to pick, If he left the Raiders, if they mutually agreed to part ways, I don't want to be here anymore and the Raiders want to save 70 million bucks, the Jags wouldn't hire him to be their head coach. I'd push back on that one a little. Now, again, his stardom has clearly diminished these three years, but he's still really famous. I I do wonder just they're an irrelevant franchise. It would cross their mind. I'm not saying they would do it. I don't think you could do it. How much, if his star was, let's say, when he got hired by the Raiders, was a 10 out of 10. The potential of how famous he was, and we thought he was a good coach. What's that at now? Like a four? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's diminished greatly. I mean, I think Jacksonville would, like, maybe they hired, for all I know, they're going to hire Dabo Sweeney. You know, Dabo's like, uh, name, image, and likeness, transfer portal, I'm out. And now it's going to be Trevor Lawrence? He doesn't have to move far. It's in the South. Hold on. I'm going to... I bet the Jags job looks a little better to Dabo Sweeney today that Trevor Lawrence could be his quarterback. It's not out of the realm of possibility, guy. Because to me, he did not fit in New York. You know, he's very religious. He just... Southern. He fits in the Southern culture. I don't hate that as much. And I think that he might have to pick up a call. Now, he makes like $10 million. His team's really good. I mean, they're fantastic. He has this great quarterback. He could just be the Bear Bryant of Clemson. Could and be. that's a great job. And he's set for life. But he does, but all, all the stuff that's about that, college football's changing dramatically, right? I mean, just the sport has been changing. It's not new. Well, and he changed pretty easily with it. So it's true. It doesn't bother him as much. No, but I I I don't know. Anyway, that's a separate thing. Um uh Chicago, would they trade Nagy? Uh no. Cincy, the Bengals. I think they probably would. Zach Taylor's terrible. Um, Detroit, would they hire him if he became available? Uh, I, I, is he a hireable? If he was on the market tomorrow, I don't think he'd get a job. Well, like it has not gone well. Yeah, yeah I, I just don't. I, I think it's. I don't think he's a valuable or a valued candidate right now. I think the unknown of the Bienemies of the Arthur Smiths of the Dayballs trumps them. The Matt Campbells, the Dabos, the Urbans, any college guy that you can throw in co- clearly trumps them. I think you're right. I, I just think I think he's done a lot to hurt his name these last couple years. I don't even think that's really debatable right now. So yeah, you're maybe you're right. Maybe it, no one would hire him because uh, here's not, the other thing: that's he ain't the, fucking cheap, right? Yeah. No, I mean there's that too, but I just. Like, uh, if you told me that the, um, if you told me that the the Cowboys, like, I, for me, 
If you told me the Cowboys have Gruden instead of McCarthy, I'd go, okay, maybe that's be- that might be better. Yeah, I think that's I one. think Gruden's a better coach than McCarthy, but I, but I think McCarthy's terrible. I think he's unhirable. If McCarthy got fired tomorrow, no one will touch him with a fifty foot pole. <laughs> I'm with you there. I also don't think when you look at Gruden, for example, if he was not on the Raiders or he decides to quit in the next couple of years, he held out all those years, guy, for this job. And it really kind of felt like it came down between that and Tampa, like places he was comfortable with. In a weird way, it doesn't feel like he's your typical coaching whore and like he'll go anywhere now. Because you know what he has that a lot of these guys don't? An unlimited amount of cash. He, he banked. $10 million for years when he wasn't coaching. And remember, he was making huge cash at Tampa. He's made coaching money for 20 years and a large coaching money. He kind of set the tone when he got traded to Tampa for huge, like $5 million a year. Then he was making 10 at ESPN. Now he's made huge cash with the Raiders. I, I just think he'd go back to Monday night and that'd be it. It'd be all she wrote and it'd just be, he'd just be a personality again. Like I, And maybe we're learning he's more suited for that. And again, he's fine. Like he's... He's not a, he's not Tom Sula or Gase. Like they're gonna be in that seven to nine mix. But I think we have the evidence that's kind of who he is now. Cause it's back to back years. And, and I know the things were going getting circulated about his record. Here's another huge red flag. Oh. Is that September, October, November, and the December thing, it wasn't just his time with the Raiders. It's historically his time in the league. And he's coached, you know, for basically a decade, Raiders in Tampa, and then now three years. That number was close to like, I think, 320. It was terrible winning percentage in December. And we've seen it on full display these last two years with the Raiders. Like the, to me, these last two years were like, they dramatically got worse as the season went on. Their effort, their focus, their just execution. Like they just, it just got worse. And I, I mean, everyone agrees with that. It's not even disputable. Yeah. It's happened two years in a row. I know. I know. And then the other part of this is just, from a personnel standpoint, how are they going to get better on defense in particular, right? Well, I, I see a lot of this like Wade Phillips. Well, Wade Phillips runs a 34 defense. The Raiders have built. Now, you could argue who cares what they've built. The players are bad, which it's there's. You're not exactly knocking down a uh, brick yeah. castle here if you it's decide like, to well, change uh, the defense. Aaron Donald only does this. Yeah, they don't really have anybody, but still, like. <laughs> That, to me, shows he went in with this mind. He had a decade. I want to do this. And now he's just going to pivot and change. Here's the other thing, guy. I had a, like a philosophical conversation with a guy in the league probably within the last month. And he's like, what? If you were starting a defense from scratch in the modern-day NFL, would you run a 3-4 or a 4-3? And I said, of course, I'd run a 4-3. It's just a faster defense, right? Because in a 3-4, you have the three down linemen you have a nose tackle, and really your two five techniques are like Justin Smith types. Then you have your two outside linebackers who are really defensive linemen too. Your defense is a little slower because you got five defensive linemen on the field instead of four, where in a 4-3 you get three linebackers, which if you build it right, like and the Raiders have the right mindset of running a 4-3, you get more speed on the field. And what is when you turn on football now, what do you see? unless you're watching John Gruden's team, you don't see a three tight ends and two fullbacks, right? Yeah. You see spread it out, four or five wide, and just speed. So I, I just would not run a 3-4. To me, Wade Phillips would not be an option for me. Also, the And not, not taking away, he's had a lot of success, but I just think what he, what he runs is not what I'd want to run. And Gruden showed, like, he came back, he wanted to run a 4-3 defense. I do think he was on, he, that was smart. He just has picked the wrong players, picked the wrong defensive coordinator. Again, all his choice, right? No one's like, well, Paul Gunther was forced by uh, the, the ownership. Like, no, that's not what happened. You know, Cleveland Farrell, Mark Davis was like, we got to draft this guy. No, not what happened. Like, that's the one thing with the Raiders. There's no articles where it was like, push and pull between the GM and the front office. You know, you see that a lot with like the Eagles or the Giants. It's like, the GM wanted this guy. The coach wanted this guy. The defensive coordinator wanted this guy. The anonymous source said that the GM won out. Like, there's... None of that's going on. It was like, yeah, Gruden wanted him. He's on the team. Yeah. Right? I don't – I there's really no evidence as to what the, the – I don't know what's going on with Mayock and Gruden at this point, right? There's nothing written about the two. I don't know. It, who, who liked who? Who wanted what? But I know this. We're three years in, and yeah, at times the offense looked fantastic this year. But it wasn't like the offense – I mean, that Atlanta game happened. It scored six points. Here's what you and I have talked about. And I've talked about this with friends in the NFL. 
if you follow John, or excuse me, Mike Mayock's draft boards, like with John, it was like, did he really like John Ma- Johnny Manziel or was he doing that for television? It was ha- always hard to tell. You know, it was always easy to be like, oh, John loved all these guys. Like, I don't know. I think sometimes John's just full of shit and he's just up there hooting and hollering on the on the set when it came to the draft. Like, I, I don't necessarily think that he just would have drafted Johnny Manziel. He might have, but I don't know. I do believe when Mike Mayock would list his top five guys, like he believed that was the order of the guys, right? If he was drafting a team, like he was not, he was the opposite really of like TV fluff. It was like, yeah, this guy's talking like a GM. Yeah. That's why we always thought when he made the transition, we're like, yeah, if anyone's equipped, the guy will be all right. They drafted a lot of players that I, like if Mike Mayock would have had his draft board out, like on NFL Network, two years ago when they took Cleveland Farrell at five and he would have had him in his top five overall players and his number one defensive lineman or number two defensive lineman. I think that would have been a huge headline, right? Like you wait, you would take Cleveland Farrell over Devin White. Like that was, I followed Mayock's career. He loved Khalil Mack. Remember he thought Khalil Mack was the best player in that draft at a time before people thought that. I, I don't, I don't think that like some of the draft players, like the Cleveland Farrell one specifically. And I've heard this, is that if you go to look at Cincinnati, the Carlos Dunlops, the guys they've had, they love those 6-4 long guys in their 4-3 defense. And the Raiders were a coach-driven draft because Gruden's in charge. Well, who's his best friend? Paul Gunther. Well, what are they trying to do? Build the Cincinnati defense. Like that. I don't think fucking Mayock liked that guy. I don't know that for sure. I don't know Mike Mayock. But I feel pretty confident that Mike Mayock doesn't have a lot of pull on this shit. Now, I do think he influences, like, he likes Josh Jacobs. Gruden likes Josh Jacobs. Well, fucking a lot of people like Josh Jacobs. And I could even see, like, Mayock like Jonathan Abram a lot, for example. I, I could I could believe that. It's understandable. Both those guys cut their teeth, like, in the 80s and 90s with football. I get it. I, I might have liked John Abrams if I was, like, in the league. I, yeah. I get it. But to me, the Cleveland Farrell one's always been a pretty big red flag for me. Like, yeah, that was Gruden just fucking pulling his rank. And, and Paul Gunther. Which I bet Mayock trying to be a good guy. This is the hardest part about being a non-decision-making, like like John Lynch or whatever, you kind of just learn to like him in your own head. You know, what are you going to do, fight it for the next five years? You He's kn- on your team. Well, and you understand you got to give on some, and you just hope that uh, over time you draft enough really good players that you're going to miss. You know you know what's going to happen. You're going to miss. You just hope that you draft enough good ones over the years. The coaches are good enough, whatever. But and it I, hasn't I, been good I think it's easier, it's easier to stomach when you miss, for example, and I think Cleveland Farrell – and Solomon Thomas with the Niners when the guy's a good guy. Yeah. It's one thing when you miss on a bad player and he's like getting in trouble, then it's just becomes and a headache. Like you just miss on the player. He's an NFL player. They're good enough to be but, on the field for you. Yeah. 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 It's not a it's not like Jamarcus Russell or anything. Right. But I, I think where you kick yourself is you go, We had the fourth pick in the draft. <laughs> like that that's that to me is where you lose sleep. You had the four you had a chance to get a game changing player. I'm I'm looking up at the TV today when the the uh, Buccaneers were making their comeback against the Falcons. One of the huge turning points in that game is Devin White. his unreal blitz, and he sacks Matt Ryan. It's like, God, that guy looked like he was going 90 miles an hour. You know what he is? Arguably their best defensive player and one of the best defenses in the league. And it was it was one of those, it's like, well, you know, they drafted him five from Cal Poly. Now he's coming from LSU. Like, no, everyone knew about him. Like, well, was, well, the school was the best argument for Cleveland Furl. It was like, ah, oh, he's coming from Clemson. I have a high floor. Yeah. But this is not hindsight 2020 here. I think when the draft pick was made, everyone went, what? But so. I even think, like, when it comes to Clemson, Alabama guys, we differentiate between, like, oh, yeah, Waddle and this guy. And there'll be other guys, but, like, yeah, it'll be a solid pro. Right. Well, because right? guess what? The great thing about him is they play in these huge games. So you get to see him against pretty high-level talent. Yeah. A lot of people have asked us. We'll tell you again, John. Butcherbox.com slash ham. What am I looking forward to in 2021? I mean, 2020 is not done yet. I got more good meat to eat in 2020. But in 2021, I'm going to eat better, spend less time and money at the grocery store. You can too, thanks to Butcherbox.com slash ham. Yep, guy. Butcherbox.com slash ham. All meat. Free of antibiotics and added hormones. You've been delivered. I've had it delivered. I've bought it for other people. They rave. They love it. They can't say enough about it. Each box has 9 to 11 pounds of meat, enough for 24 individual meals, packed fresh and shipped frozen, vacuum sealed so it comes. You can just throw it in the freezer if you're not going to eat immediately. It's really easy to use. comes in a little container where it's still cold. 
Uh, it's fan. I can't recommend it enough, guy. I cannot recommend it enough. Do it right now. Butcherbox.com slash ham. Yep. Butcherbox.com slash ham. Today's sponsor, they believe everyone deserves high quality, humanely sourced meat. And here's the deal right now. You can get two pounds of salmon absolutely free with your first box. Two pounds of salmon absolutely free with your first box. You just go to butcherbox.com slash ham. By the way, I recommend getting some ribs too. Love the oh. ribs. Butcherbox.com slash ham. Uh, I think as we're recording this, John, the Eagles just lost. So Carson just, Wentz, just lost, Carson yeah. Wentz just fist pumped on the inside. I did see Matthew Barry, fantasy guy, at ESPN, just tweeted the lines of the two of them. You know, Kyler threw three touchdowns, ran for one. Jalen Hurst threw over 300 yards, and he also ran for another touchdown, and he threw three touchdowns. So he accounted for four touchdowns, like from never from a fantasy mind, standpoint, and from an eye test. He looks pretty good, guy. Never mind on I, the I fist pump. I, I, I can't, like, understand. I wasn't a huge fan. I thought he was a running back, but I've been impressed. And now it's two games. I'm not, you can't overreact, but. I would. I'll tell you this. And Schefter tweeted something about you know uh, basically Wentz doesn't want to be a backup, as you said. Yeah, no kidding. But uh, I would still be a little surprised if Carson Wentz is not the Week One starter in 2021 for the Eagles. Actually, I'd be a lot surprised if he's not the Week One starter. But I mean, you could argue at this point if we talked about this the other day, if Hertz just finishes out the season playing well enough, Carson's not going to be handed the job next year. I mean, you're paying him either way, so you might as well, if the other guy's better, play the better guy. Be, this would be pretty insane, though. It's going probably a little better than people, if you wanted just an open competition, like he's getting good enough where he's really good. Like, guy, you started counting for four touchdowns every game. Their offense wasn't bad. It was putrid when yeah. Carson Wentz. He was a turnover machine. He just didn't throw touchdowns. Like, that's the other thing. He did not throw touchdowns. Like, it wasn't like, you know, he's... He still averaged 3.5 touchdowns a game. He was just throwing two picks, right? He giveth, he taketh. It, no, it's just like he just taketh away when he just gives the other team. This guy looks kind of cool, calm, and collected. He's just, he can run. He's got a good arm. You just, it just kind of pops. Again, two games, not ideal. For Carson. <laughs> for the Carson Wentz camp and just the Eagles. I actually think it's getting more complicated for them. Yeah. And it's also like, Hey Carson, no one's going to now who knows chef. I mean, Schefter, maybe it was Carson's agent that leaks. Carson doesn't want to be the backup. Like, is he trying to, it feels to me like if this is how the season ends, like if, if Hertz keeps playing this way, then Carson's going to try and get traded. Yeah. Right. And that could get pretty weird. What if he demands a trade? This is where I think it get fucked up for him. People would not like, wait, you're demanding a trade after you played like shit. Like, fuck you, bro. Right, go win your your job back. Yeah, we just paid you a boatload of money. The contract hasn't even kicked in. Now, technically, the way NFL contracts work, he's already gotten like like, huge sums of money. But on the books, it's like, no, bro, you don't get to dictate the terms here. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do that. But if you did that in one town where it was get the ugliest, the fastest, it'd be Philly. Like, he doesn't have... I saw a bunch of former players tweeting like, no, you don't get, you played like shit. We all saw you. You're not getting a raw deal. This isn't even one of those where you got hurt and full. So I do think people felt sympathy for you. You were just terrible. And then everyone defended you because it was like, you know, he's such a talent. Like all the former players, I felt like the Orlovskis, the Chris Longs, the whoever, like, God, this guy's really good. Cause you could see the physical tools that were around him too. But by about midseason, everyone's like, bro, this is ugly. But it doesn't feel like he has that extra little layer of the benefit of the doubt that the players who are beloved get, right? There's always been this just kind of under-the-surface ripple. That did the team Does his teammates like Foles more than they liked him? Is he difficult? Exactly. Right? He's getting called out. Again, there's just more of the, oh, you know, we love competing with Hurts type of quotes coming out. I just... He, well, he, for, for, exa- for example... He gets no Matt benefit Sta- of the doubt. None. If Matt Stafford comes out, Let's say they hire Lewis Riddick and Sala. And those guys come out the day they're hired. They go, part of us taking this job is our number one goal was to convince Matt Stafford, we're, we're going to win with you. Like they, they come out and say that on opening day. Like We took this job and a huge reason, Matt Stafford. And I don't think it's in, it's like 
crazy to even think whoever's hired for that job won't say that immediately. It's what they should and mean it. Yeah, it's what I would it. say, yeah. right? It's what you would say. And he came. He came out the next day or the next week and be like, "I'm not playing for the Lions anymore. I'm out." I think he would get close, and even with the Lions fans, like universal understanding Absolutely. of like it's it's fair where he's coming. I think Carson has zero equity equity with anybody, including the Eagles, including fans, including former players. If he were to like make a stink of like, I'm in the starter else, you know, it's well, like, ah. I, I, you know, when I saw the Schefter story, I started thinking what is you, what you and me try to think about everything. Like, well, Shanahan, could we make a Niners video out of that? Um, but does it pencil for the Eagles to trade him? Well, no, I don't think her, I don't think there's anything Hurts can do now that makes you just totally shift your entire organization to him. Right. But I, I'll, my point is just, I think all this other stuff with Carson, the fact that Carson would want to trade is one of the reasons I wouldn't want him. Like, wait a second. You can't even, you've gotten all this money. You've gotten all these chances. They got rid of Foles. They didn't make you battle it out with Foles, right? They moved on from him. One thing I could see, like inside football, and I've heard rumblings of this. We've already talked. I mean, it's already been out there, but like Foles, or not Foles, (laughs) Hurts resonates more with like, Jalen Rager, Greg Ward Jr., and, you know, Goddard. They just like him more, let's say. So Carson goes, one, how am I ever going to win the locker room back? These guys don't like me. What if he thinks that? These guys don't like yeah. me. And then they start having some success. Rager's making plays. Even Fulgham's like, God, I'm I'm still making plays Jaylen, this guy. But Jalen cool. Rager didn't show up not liking you. So what's happened since Jalen Rager showed Why wouldn't he like you? Like, again, that's what I'm saying. This is why I would be afraid. Let's say they made him available. Well, because because they think, because those guys are just, like, if you're Jalen Rager, you just go, well, this guy's way better. I, I played with him well, That's my point, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, so I kind of think if you told me quarterback X, it's Carson Wentz, it's it's money, you told me Kyle Shanahan could get that player, I'd be like, I bet I bet he could get him back to what he once was. But then, but then you add the element of, is he liked by his teammates? That is not the kind of quarterback that anybody wants, and it's certainly not the kind of quarterback Kyle Shanahan wants. I think the problem for the Eagles is they invested so much money in him. They invested so many draft picks in him. They, they went all in. They could never just get rid of him for like, oh, yeah, we'll give him away for two twos, and then see him be good, even if Jalen was good. They value like the economics of – of winning deals and uh, too much like that. That's just to me because deep down they didn't give him money thinking he would be shitty. So they believed in him they, and they've right. seen it. And like I, they and know I, how much talent he has. I, I just can't in a million years, unless Jalen hurts had won every game and thrown like five touchdowns a game. It was like, God, this guy could be the best player ever. I, I just don't think I'm just putting myself in their shoes or any other GM. You could not trade him. It's like, no, I don't think you not, could not for like, Unless the Niners gave like three ones or something, and they're not going to get his values at an all time low. And again, you're not, it's not like they did this with seven games. We're not going to have seven or eight games of Jalen Hurts. And even that probably wouldn't be enough. We're going to have, what, three, four games of Jalen Hurts down the stretch? Yeah, I mean, we had two, we got two more, we got four games. That's not enough no. of anything. Not, and especially like if Hurts was a, given what he was coming out of college in terms of his passing ability in college. But still, it's just weird enough. It's just weird enough, man. What'd you think of, um, boy, Charlie Woods' dad really let him down in that golf tournament, huh? I, I've never felt watching someone so young, <laughs> yet so comfortable being like, yeah, this this guy's going to be really good. I, I don't know. even feel bad. And it's just like, yeah, the Woods are, they're kind of wired like yeah they're he's just so at ease i know it's i hate like did you tweet this or, or maybe you posted somebody else's meme was like a girl texting a guy like my parents are gone come over it's like now nah, i'm watching 11 year old play golf <laughs> well, listen this guy is a clown and he and I, I don't watch him i don't care what he says i did see a skip bayless tweet get tweeted into my timeline and i have to agree He's like, in my entire life, basically, of watching sports, I've never seen such a young human look so natural in a pressure pack. I know. I saw I saw Tiger say that he's like, listen, he's played in some like junior events, you know, at our local courses or whatever, and he's done well. He's competed, and we've played a lot in the pandemic because I guess at Tiger's at Medalist or whatever the course is that they're all a member at, for like three-month period during the summer – 
it was open, but you were only allowed to play with family members. So he's like, we just play with Charlie nonstop, just those two. And he's like, I've seen him hit these shots, but he's like, you never truly know to get out and kind of, we got people watching, you know, playing with other just famous people. And just Charlie's just chugging along. Now, he has not hit puberty yet. So I, <laughs> but he's got I really, him, you notice his elbows to his hands are very long, Johnny. You can tell he's got, <laughs> if you just look at the the length, he looks like a, a Seahawks cornerback arm length would have looked in at 11 years old. And I hate, I hate doing this too, but like once he hits puberty, wouldn't it be kind of shocking if Charlie Woods is not minimum six feet? Like you, Earl was taller, Tiger's pretty tall. Yeah. Like he's not going to, even I, I saw someone took a picture. They're like, this is a family affair. Elon, Elon was there with the, the daughter. They were watching. So it was like, and you, I see Elon next to Tiger's daughter, who's probably like 13 or 14. She's, remember she, last year at the match, she's like, like not short. She was tall. Like Elon's not, I'd guess Elon's 5'5 five five to 5'7 five somewhere. So she's not like some midget. I just think Charlie, guy, I don't see how he's out on the PGA Tour. I, I know. <laughs> I know. He's going to have the best coach ever. Have you watched, if you just go to golf.com on YouTube, Tiger did these things where he just gives like tutorials on how to hit drives, how to hit irons, how to do all this shit. And it's, it'd be like the equivalent of Peyton Manning probably or Kyle Shanahan talking through. It's incredible. I saw one where he's talking about how him and Charlie's swings are different. Did you I see that, that one? one too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for all the video of like, I saw today, I was just watching when they were, they were like 90 yards out and Charlie hits this, you know, he hits the ball. The divot goes like 20 yards. Like the divot's beautiful. He actually, I think he stuck it a little closer than Tiger did on the approach He did that shot. multiple times th- this weekend where they, because they took a scramble, they took his wedge shot. But even as many good shots as he hit, my favorite thing to watch was the two of them on the green together. When they would both putt, they'd use one marker. They'd like share a marker. Right, so they just yeah. like toss it to the other one. You could just tell they'd done it a million times. Charlie would miss a putt, and he'd do the thing that everybody does. You like put your hand. You're like, oh, how did I miss that? And then he had the little the little fist pump. But watching him when like Tiger would miss a putt, right? And he just, I don't know. There was something like you said. He's just so so much of that sport, like any sport, but especially that sport, is about handling pressure <laughs> and just being you in the moment. And he's. Again, I feel it feels so weird to talk about an eleven-year-old this way. But he just well, he looks to me, really he, natural. He, he's hitting from tees that other people like. Yes, he, he's so young. Yeah, but there is a huge element to golf of pressure because he, he, he's going to be really talented if he just stays healthy. Like I mean, he's Let's just going to be big. Here. He's going <laughs> to. But I, I just think the mental aspect of when you just hear Tiger talk about golf, a lot of athletes, I think when you hear them verbalize stuff, they just struggle to because it's impossible to. Like, it's hard for Michael or Joe Montana to truly... When you hear Tiger just talk about golf, like, he can get in-depth as well as any broadcaster in any sport, just, like, specific shots. Well, remember specific, it's like, him it's and... Like, uh, who was it at the Tiger... Remember the end when they were on that 19th hole at Tiger's Golf Tournament? Tiger's... Uh, the unveiling of his uh, Bass Pro Shops... Oh, him and Gary yeah, Player. Yeah, yeah. Remember him and Gary yeah. Player talking? Yeah, about how he likes, you know, back when you used to like hit it with the toe or something. Yeah, it was just, it was, that's right, it was putting stroke. He said no one does that. How interesting was it in that golf.com video you you were referencing about the swings? And they're like, what kind of clubs do you let Charlie hit? Because growing up, like when I was a kid, the best players played these Mizuno blades and they were fucking tiny and you had to be a stick to play it. Cause, but back then it was like either that or like these big ass Callaway cavity backs. Well, of course, Tiger and every good player played Mizuno cavity backs, or I mean, blades. Nowadays, good players can kind of like tote the middle. You see a lot of guys on tour, their blades are like pitching wedge through like seven iron or six iron, and then they're like five and four iron or bigger club. Like Tiger is a true old school guy, and he even laughed. He's like, I was talked into it. I gave him normal clubs, and it was hard for him. He's like, I'm old school. But I, I, I think Tiger is going to be able to blend these two things. I think he could become like, I'm, I'm trying to think like the equivalent of like the opposite of Marinovich and the dad, what he was as a player. They could be the opposite of that. Like obviously Tiger had that with Earl, but Earl wasn't a pl- Like Earl was just this former Marine that like went all, like t- Tiger Woods could actually get his kid to be a tour player. Yeah, I, I think it's different, and it's different it than any other, right? It's not like Dell and Steph Curry. Is the sport is just different. Like you're not with them on every moment at every moment, right? And how, like is Tiger, I started thinking like, is Tiger going like, to carry his bag at any point? 
Well, I, I the other thing I was thinking, if if this kid did become something, I could see Tiger becoming a huge part of like broadcasts and stuff, right? Like he would just be a huge part of the tour being around. He'd be available. Thing is, Tiger probably I, wants to follow him on every hole. We'll just give him a mic. Just, just uh, we go to Woods, who is uh, following Woods. <laughs> because the difference with Dell and Steph, like when Dell and Steph would have been working a lot together, like junior high and high school, remember, no one wanted Steph. He had to go to Davidson. Right. And when Steph took a huge step, he's even given like a lot of the credit comes to the Davidson coaches, his own work ethic, and just grinding on it on his own. Now, ultimately, that would be Charlie Woods too. But there's an element with golf where you can just talk scenarios, course management. Just the way they think about it is just, I, I, I'm, I put all my chips in the middle of the table on Charlie. It, it seems crazy, but it, it seems hard to fail. How's he going to fail? It doesn't seem like it's it, right. He clearly enjoys it. That's a factor with any kid that plays any sport. Is like, are they going to get burned out? Are they going whatever? His dad, credit to Tiger, they found a way to, to be not overbearing, but just. Uh, clearly he's just, they spent all their time doing it and he like the kid likes it. Like the kid yeah. likes it. <laughs> anyway, it's awesome to watch. Okay. He's freaking good. Um, all right. College football playoff. Oh yeah. Well, I was, everyone was mad about Cincinnati not getting in, which, you know, whatever. Uh, not that I know it's, it doesn't feel great when Notre Dame gets their butt beat and then they get in, but the next day, my thing is not even about the playoff so much because there were a lot of people who wanted, USC to not have to play or to be to be named the Pac-12 champion before they played Oregon on Friday so they would go to the Fiesta regardless of what happened in the game. Who's the Fiesta Bowl opponent? Is Iowa, Iowa State? State has been named as the Fiesta Bowl opponent. I think people are attaching. If you want SC to be protected, you are attaching yourself to the wrong wagon. Like I think the fact that I think people are acting like the Pac-12 screwed up by a not having Colorado play as Washington's replacement in the Pac-12 title game and B not protecting USC from getting knocked out of the Fiesta and I would argue the opposite stop protecting SC protect Oregon because if you told me Iowa State was playing SC I would say there's a much better chance that Iowa State wins in a blowout than Iowa State playing Oregon I Oregon not that Oregon's perfect this year. They got some issues on offense. They lost a couple of games, but that would be the team I would want. If I had to have one team match up in a big-time game against a power program, and obviously Iowa State, you know, they're historically not a power program, but and they didn't they didn't really have a chance to beat Oklahoma the other day. I don't know how much of that game you watched, but... Um, I think Oklahoma... I would just rather... Have, my know, point is, I would rather have Oregon play in these games than SC, in these big-time games where people are going to make a judgment about your whole league based on how your team looks in that game. I agree. I, I think it's somewhat over. It's not SC is going to be solid. Oregon is now the cream of the crop in the conference. And I think it's really well established. You just watch those two teams on the field. And obviously Oregon was missing a bunch of guys. I think moving forward, they're the team that everyone's going to bet on to just dominate this conference. They're recruiting much better. To me, just the eye test of watching the two teams are just more physical they're just they're built closer to like what Pete's teams were, just that mindset of elite players all over the country and fucking physical up front. And you watch USC, you just go, they're soft. You go, why are they soft? Well, they run a soft offense. What happens when you run a soft offense? Well, you practice against soft offense. You just kind of become soft. And I think Clay Helton, like in theory, is like kind of an old school, wants to be kind of tough, but he just he chose this offense and it's just soft. Yeah. It's just soft. You know? And I but I even like it's no indictment. Like I watched Lane Kiffin play Eddie O on Friday night or Saturday night. He runs a spread it out, throw it around. Like his teams are never going to be, even if, if he hits on a bunch of recruits, which I'm sure he will over the next couple of years, he's going to have to win shootouts. And I saw a bunch of people tweeting like, I'm so, the SEC, you're not allowed to talk anymore. You guys give up a lot of points now too. Well, no fucking shit. All their players are going in the first round on offense. Like they have the best players. And those defensive guys, they're all getting drafted in the second round still. So it's like, Devontae Smith, if I had a Heisman vote, I would vote for that guy. He would be my Heisman Trophy winner. I think he's the best player in football, and he's the best player on the best team. If he can't win it, I saw Dabo give like this. If you don't give it to D Trevor Lawrence, I, I understand. Like, I, I could not give it to Mac Jones or Kyle Trask. Like, to me, I, they're, not the, they're not the Heisman Trophy. 
but I don't. I think the Kyle Trask probably ends up getting it. Maybe Devonte Smith after that game. He's just been. He's elite. the betting favorite now. So maybe he will win it. Yeah, uh, it's it's just crazy to me that we've got a four team playoff, John, and not and no one thinks all four teams can win the championship. But only I I, I tweeted this out during the Clemson blowout before Alabama even played in that game. Got probably a little closer than it probably should have been, but it it is it is what it is. There are two teams that are just on it. Like Ohio State's not as good this year. No, they're not. So it's like Bama's a three touchdown favorite against Notre Dame. I haven't seen the line on the other game, but it's like it's just those teams. It's not a fair fight, you know. It's just it's just not. Like it's going to be Alabama, Clemson, and that game's sweet. Why don't we just have a best of three? It really would weeks. be better. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. I was just going to try and pull up real quick. Let me go uh, my bookie. Try and see. My guess is like 15 and a half, something in that realm. On Ohio State, Alabama? Yeah. No, Ohio State plays. I'm sorry. uh, Ohio State, Clemson Clemson is seven and a half. I would take Clemson. I, I would too. Yeah. All right. On that note. Adios. Later. When you make decisions for your company. You look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.